Many people are fascinated by mountains. There's something about them that draws us to the mountains and to go and to to look at them, to gaze up at them, to marvel at them, or even if you're feeling energetic, to climb up them. For some of us, Mount Leinster is high enough. It's a bit of a climb up there. And the view is nice enough. But for others, they want a little bit more, something more challenging. The ultimate mountain is, of course, this one here, which I'm sure many of you recognize as Mount Everest. More than 320 people have died attempting to climb this mountain. But this hasn't deterred a whole load of other people from trying. Since it was first climbed in 1953, more than 6,000 people have climbed the 8,848 metres above sea level right up to the summit. And some have climbed it many times. A couple of weeks ago I was reading in the news about this guy, 53-year-old Sherpa guide Kami Rita, who has climbed this mountain a record 28 times. Twice even this year. Incredible defeat. But this fascination with mountains isn't something new. It's not just a modern idea. Mountains have an important part in the story of the Bible. Two mountains in particular. It was on on Mount Sinai that Moses received the Ten Commandments written on those two stone tablets. About 400 years after that, Mount Zion was captured by King David. And the city of Jerusalem on top of that became his capital city. And the location of the temple. And in our next section of this book of Hebrews, the writer used those two mountains to represent two covenants. Two agreements between God and his people. The old covenant, mediated by Moses between God and the nation of Israel. And the new covenant that came through the blood of Jesus, shed for us on the cross, just outside of Jerusalem. And he did this to help us to understand the contrast between those two covenants. So that we can see all that Jesus offers to us today. See that that what he offers us is far better than what was offered to the nation of Israel. And so that we will all come to this better mountain. And that we will not miss out on all that Jesus has for us today. So we're going to read this passage together. It's Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18 to the end of the chapter. And Tony's going to come up and he's going to read for us. Thank you, Tony. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, 
to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful, and so worship God acceptably, with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Thank you very much, Tony. Although it's not named, the first mountain in this passage is clearly Mount Sinai. The description given matches with what Moses and the people of Israel experienced when they came to that mountain about six, six weeks or so after leaving Egypt. And their experience at that mountain demonstrated the characteristics of the covenant that was made there between God and the people of Israel. So the mountain was a physical mountain. It was, as verse 18 says, a mountain that can be touched. That's obvious because Moses, he climbed up this mountain. And as we've seen, that matches with the physical nature of the Old Covenant. It provided a physical tabernacle and then later a physical temple. An earthly sanctuary, as it says in chapter 9, verse 1. But the physical nature of this mountain also created a problem. A danger. The people, they could touch this mountain. But if they had, the consequences of it would have been fatal. God commanded, verse 20, if even an animal touches this mountain... It must be stoned. That was because, as Moses was told, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. God was coming to that mountain to meet with his people and speak into their lives. And that wasn't something to take lightly. So the sights and the sounds on that mountain all warned of danger. Verse 18, they came to a mountain that was burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm. These were all manifestations of God's presence. They declared that God is awesome, that He is powerful, that He is majestic, that He is holy. Like Mr. Beaver said to Lucy in, in, about Aslan in The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's not a tame lion. God's not a tame God. To come into his presence is a daunting thing. Now in a way... This demonstration of God's power should have been really encouraging for the nation of Israel. Especially in the light of all the challenges that they were facing. 
They were refugees. Without any home, without any provisions, without any resources, without any protection. But they could trust in the Lord, who is a mighty God, who is awesome in power. But these signs also kept the people at a distance. They showed that although they could experience something of the presence of God, they couldn't come right into the very intimate presence of God. And so the old covenant provided access to God, but it was limited and it was restricted access. We've seen that already in Hebrews, that the high priest could only enter the most holy place once a year. And only with a blood sacrifice. Everybody else was, was barred from that. The Holy Spirit was showing that by this, that the way into the most holy place, the intimate presence of God had not yet been disclosed. That was because all the rituals and all the sacrifices that are part of the old covenant, they could never deal with our sin. None of them could make the worshippers perfect in God's sight. As Hebrews 10.4 says, it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. So the old covenant brought the people into a relationship with the Lord as their God. But it was a distant relationship. And because of this, the dominant emotion of that day was one of fear. Even Moses himself was terrified. Verse 21 it says, the sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. Now, this this sight of the awesome presence of God, it was supposed to instill in the people a healthy fear of God. A deep respect for God. Moses said to the people, God has come to test you. So the fear of God will be, will be with you to keep you from sinning. But instead, this terror, this fear made them unwilling to listen to God's voice. This is what it says in Exodus chapter 20. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled in fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. The people, they had the incredible privilege of having an opportunity to to hear God speaking to them. But they were too afraid. The voice of God was unbearable for them. And so they were only willing to listen to an intermediary rather than listen to God himself. So this is the message of the old covenant represented by Mount Sinai. It declared that with God, there is danger, there is distance, and there is dread. And sadly, 
That's the message of many religions out there in the world today. Many even branches of, of so-called Christianity. That they are the, the defining characteristics. They focus on declarations of condemnation and guilt. They keep us at a distance from God through restrictions and through rituals. And they use fear and terror to control us and to compel compliance. But that's Mount Sinai. And the point of this passage is to say that these readers and we as New Testament believers, we haven't come to a mountain like that. Instead, we have come to Mount Zion. A new covenant. A new way to God. And so our relationship with God should be completely different from theirs. Verse 22, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. Instead of a a physical mountain with an earthly sanctuary, the new covenant brings us to a celestial city, to the heavenly Jerusalem. This is the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God that Abraham was looking for. This is the better city that God had prepared for all those who have trusted in Him. This is the, the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God that John saw in his vision in Revelation chapter 21. This is the city that didn't need a temple Because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. This is the city that does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. This is our eternal destination. This is our forever home. And this is a place of celebration. Verse 22. You've come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. Heaven is a place of unending joy. A place where all the sadness and sorrow of this world will be overwhelmed with the joy of being in the presence of God forever. And so He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. We are invited into a place of celebration and joy. It's also a place of community. We're invited to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. This is the gathering of the the adopted children of God, who've been given the immense privilege of being a firstborn son, an heir of God and a co-heir with Christ. 
This is the community who have been given the eternal security of their names written in the Lamb's book of life. According to Jesus, that's cause for celebration. This is what he said to his disciples. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Play even better than that. This is a community that is invited to come close to God. Verse 23, you have come to God, the judge of all men. As we saw, access to God in the Old Testament was limited and it was restricted because sin could not be fully forgiven. But in the new, we can come right into God's intimate presence with confidence. Even although, even although God is the judge of all men, even though we stand before Him and He is our judge, we can come with confidence because He's already declared His final verdict on our lives. He's already declared us righteous in His sight if we put our faith in Jesus. So we join with the spirits of the righteous men made perfect. We can be part of those, that community, who confidently approach the throne of grace. Not because of what we've done. Not because of our achievements, or what we've earned, or what we deserve. But because we've been justified. Because we've been declared righteous. By God's amazing grace. Mount Zion is the place where it can be said, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. It's a place of intimate fellowship and communion with God. But of course, this is only possible. Because Mount Zion is the place of the crucified Saviour. We come to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Jesus, He's the only one who can bring us into this new agreement with God. He is the only one who secures our forgiveness, who paid our price, who died our death. So we come to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. It goes right back to the first book of the Bible, to Genesis. After Cain killed Abel, his brother, God said to him, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. What was the blood crying out for? Well, the spilled blood bore witness to Cain's guilt and cried out for judgment. But Jesus' blood that cries out for our forgiveness. Because the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. And so if we come to Jesus, if we come in faith to Him, then our debt is paid completely 
Our sin is forgiven eternally. Our place in God's family is guaranteed. And our future is secure. Not because of what we have done, but because Jesus has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Folks, this is Mount Zion. This is what we are invited to come to today. Not to the danger and the distance and the dread of Mount Sinai. But instead to a celestial city filled with celebration. A community of people who have been adopted into God's family, who have been justified by God's grace. And so the incredible privilege of coming close to God through faith in our crucified Saviour. So what difference should this make to us today? What is the, the so what about all of this? How should this impact us in our lives? Well, just at the end of this passage, there's three ways this should, we should respond to this today. First of all, we should be obedient. Look at verse 25. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn from him who warns us from heaven? The consequence of turning away from the offer of grace through the Old Testament was serious. But how much more serious if we turn away from the incredible offer of God's grace in the New Covenant? And so the warning here is what we've seen again and again in the book of Hebrews. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. See to it that you don't miss out on this. See to it that you don't say no to this. The offer of the gospel is so incredible. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can be completely forgiven, so we can be dressed in His righteousness, so we can be baptized by this Holy Spirit, so we can guarantee a home in heaven. But if we refuse this gift, if we shrug our shoulders and walk away, if we say, well, maybe sometime, but not today, because I've got other things I'd like to do, if we turn away from it, then the consequences are terrifying. That's because there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. If we walk away from Mount Zion and reject the, the crucified Savior who died there, then there's no other way to be right with God. Doesn't matter what else we do, we will not be there. So let's be obedient to this call. Let's make sure that we have put our faith in Jesus, in Jesus alone, as the forgiver of our sins, as the leader of our lives. And that today, 
We are walking by faith in Christ. And in Christ alone. So first of all, we need to be obedient. Secondly, we can be confident. There's a final day of judgment coming. The writer quoted from the book of Haggai, where the Lord said, Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. At Mount Sinai, God shook the earth with his presence. But there's a day coming when he will shake the heavens and the earth. The whole of creation will be shaken. That's what John saw again in Revelation chapter 21. A new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There's a coming day day when all of that we see around us will be destroyed. And God will make a new heaven and a new earth. But if we've trusted in Jesus, we don't need to be afraid of this day. We don't need to be terrified of that day. Because we can confidently look forward to it. Because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. If we have come to Mount Zion, we have come to the heavenly Jerusalem, we have come to the city of the living God, and His kingdom will not pass away. So no matter what happens in this world, No matter how much we lose in this world, no matter all the tragedies and all the the horrible things that happen in this world, we can stand confident. Because through Jesus, we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. It's kept in heaven for us. All the other stuff in in our life, house, or car, or income, or investments, or savings, or pension, or health. All of that can be shaken. But if we put our trust in Christ, we're standing on a rock. Solid rock. We don't need to be afraid today. We can be confident. We can be certain. We can be sure. We can have peace. Even in the middle of the storm. Because we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so finally, and pretty obviously I think, the writer says, let us be thankful. As we more fully understand the reality of all that we have in Christ, all that he has done, and all that he will do in our lives, Surely the only proper response is to be overwhelmed with a sense of gratitude. We should be people who rejoice in the Lord always. Of course, we need to do this in a way that's in keeping with who God is. Half-hearted, flippant, superficial singing of a song with our mind on something else. That will never do. Mount Sinai reminds us that God is a consuming fire. He is awesome, majestic, powerful and holy. 
And he is that still today. He is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's still that awesome God that terrified all the nation of Israel. But we don't need to keep our distance from him. But it does mean that we, if we do come to him with our hearts full of praise, we need to remember who we are worshipping. We need to worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. But we should be the most grateful people in this world. Because we've got the most to be grateful for. Our hearts should burst with thankfulness to God. We should live every day in the joy of knowing that our sins are forgiven, that Jesus is with us, and that we have a kingdom that can never be shaken. So we should join with the choirs of heaven and sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be people who always have a song in our hearts, even in the sorrow. As Apostle Paul said, we should be, we could be sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. For no matter what we're going through, we have reasons for rejoicing, because we have Jesus. And He is everything that we need. So Mount Sinai, It was a place of danger and distance and dread. But please don't think that's how you need to come to God today. Please don't stay in that place. If you grew up in a religion or a tradition that emphasized those kind of things, please hear me. That's not how we need to come to God today. Instead, we can come to a better mountain. To Mount Zion. A place of celebration. A community and and closeness with with God through our crucified Saviour. So let's be obedient to His call. So we can be confident of our place in His eternal kingdom. And we can be forever thankful to God for the incredible gift of God's grace that has come through the person of his Son.